Welcome to the Democracy Group, a network of podcasts about democracy, civic engagement, and civil discourse. In this feed, you will find a sampling of episodes from our podcast and the Democracy Group, as well as recordings from our events. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please visit democracygroup.org to find more like this. Now let's get to our featured episode. I'm Weston Womp, and this is Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One. That's why in my State of the Union, I asked members of the House and the Senate to send me a bill that bans insider trading by members of Congress, and I said that I would sign it right away. Well, today, I am happy to say that legislators from both parties have come together to do just that. In 2012, President Obama signed the Stock Act into law. The intent was to ban insider trading from members of Congress, a subject that gained attention on both sides of the aisle in the months and years after the financial crisis. But it did not do quite what it was supposed to. According to Insider, the 36 members are in violation of 2012's Stop Trading on Congressional Knowledge Act, also known as the Stock Act, which requires they publicize their and their families' investments in a timely manner. The apparent failure of the Stock Act's disclosure requirements has reignited bipartisan outrage over the broader question of why members of Congress are allowed to trade individual stocks in the first place which on the surface seems like insider trading. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez recently said that it is, quote, absolutely wild that members of Congress can freely trade stocks. But it is not a partisan issue. Tucker Carlson of Fox News said that the trading of stocks by members of Congress and their staffs, based on insider knowledge, is, quote, transparently corrupt, and that it, quote, subverts the whole idea of government. This is episode 34, Trading the Public's Trust. Bottom line, what you want is transparency. But I think in this case, what you've got is a situation where the American people have appropriately lost faith that their elected leaders are in it for, shall we say, the right reasons, right? And that they're, that they're making good decisions. And, and sometimes that's fair and sometimes it's not. But what is absolutely true and what the news is that we've seen over the last several years is the number of elected representatives, members of the House, Senate, that are making trades, uh, have investments that have clear conflicts of interest with the policy choices they're making. It raises lots of red flags. Republican Congressman Chip Roy of Texas stepped off the floor of the U.S. House to speak with me about the lack of trust people have in Congress and how it can be addressed. Recent Gallup polling showed 63% of Americans said they would rate the honesty and ethical standards of members of Congress as low or very low. Only 1% of Americans said they would rate them very high. Self-dealing, or the appearance of it, is a big reason. So you have all these conflict of interest laws that are intended to stop not only an actual conflict, but an uh, appearance of a conflict because they both have the same effect of the public losing faith in the government. So when you go to the specific issue of stock trades, it just looks like a conflict of interest at the least. Sometimes it actually is a conflict of interest if a person is trading a stock where they are also the official who takes actions that could impact that industry or even that actual company. Kedrick Payne is the senior director of ethics and the general counsel of the Campaign Legal Center. His career has taken him from serving as the editor-in-chief 
of the University of Pennsylvania Law Review to the Department of Energy and the Office of Congressional Ethics. He and Congressman Roy agree that even the perception of conflicts of interest further diminishes trust in Congress. We need to clean this place up, but we also don't need to have stupid uh, rules that don't do anything. Let's just make it to where people can have trust that people aren't enriching themselves in the back of public policy. So what is a very conservative member of Congress who previously served as Ted Cruz's chief of staff doing about the problem at hand? Well, he teamed up with a colleague from across the aisle to address the issue. Earlier in 2021, Roy and Virginia Democrat Abigail Spanberger reintroduced the Trust in Congress Act in an encouraging display of bipartisanship that could finally put an end to the controversy over members of Congress actively trading stocks. Abigail, a Democrat in Virginia, and I introduced this legislation because we thought it was important for members of Congress to do one of two things. Either have your investments in broad index funds, right, that are you know not one that you can really game, right? If you've got a Vanguard S&P 500 index fund, well, that's fine. Or if you've got specific you know stock or investments that is in a blind trust, you're not the one making the decisions on those trades, whether it's Tesla or a pharmaceutical company or a you know defense contractor or whatever it might be. I think that would be a good change, and, and I'm glad to do that on a bipartisan basis. The Trust Act focuses on restricting members of Congress from trading stocks by requiring them to have a qualified blind trust, which simply means that the members give all control of their stock trades over to a trustee and the members have no involvement or even knowledge of what their assets are and how they are traded. So that allows them to maintain their wealth, but it restricts any involvement so you maintain the uh, public trust. Kedrick Payne explained to me that the steps proposed in Roy's and Spanberger's legislation are necessary because past attempts to legislate congressional stock trading have failed. A key part to understand is the evolution to why this Trust Act is the logical next step. If you look 40 years ago to when there was the first piece of legislation that dealt with disclosing stock trades uh, uniformly across all three branches, that was the Ethics and Government Act. It was created in the wake of Watergate, and the purpose was to have the public see, this is what people are trading. This is uh, any potential conflict, you can see it. It was also so the public could see all the people who did not have conflicts. But after the financial collapse in 2008, members on both sides of the aisle were revealed to have been trading stocks after closed-door meetings with Federal Reserve officials. The annual disclosure requirements of the Watergate-era legislation we're not providing timely information to voters. Fast forward to the end of President Obama's first term and the clip that we heard at the beginning of this episode, and the Stock Act had gained bipartisan support to bring timely transparency to congressional stock trading. We see that the Stock Act, which was the uh, law that was passed 10 years ago in wake of these stock issues and trading right before the economic slowdown, uh, this Stock Act is not working the way it should. Just recently, we have about 40 members who are not complying with the Stock Act. You have about seven members who were subject to ethics complaints, and there's no real enforcement of that. So the next question is, if disclosure isn't working, what should we do next? And that's what inspired the Trust in Congress Act that would take the boldest steps yet to eliminate even the perception of conflicts for members of Congress. We'll be right back. 
We want to share a podcast with you that we're loving right now and that we know you're going to love too. It's called Future Hindsight, and it's a podcast that takes big ideas about civic life and democracy and turns them into action items for you and me. The podcast is hosted by Mila Atmos, and each week on Thursdays, she shares her in-depth conversations with changemakers. Their 16th season out now is all about the social contract, its history, and investigating what it means for society today. If you're looking for more ways to get involved, this is definitely a podcast for you. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get back to it. I think it's better if you just clean it up. For example, we had antitrust hearings in the Judiciary Committee, on which I serve, where you've got, you know, questions involving Google, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Apple. A lot of Americans own those stocks. I talk a lot about oil and gas in Texas and and hit, uh, you know, a lot of issues uh, involving those important companies in Texas or in court for the whole country. And so all of those things can pop up. And then now if you really want to layer on it with this vaccine stuff, Pfizer and all of the different pharmaceutical companies and, you know, what we're doing or not doing there, right? I mean, there's a lot of money, federal money flowing to buy these vaccines. And, and look, I, I might be benefiting from that in, a, in an S&P 500 fund, but I just think it'd be better if we just cleaned off everybody's investments so that there's no obvious conflict of interest. To better understand the types of specific conflicts that members of Congress find themselves in, I asked Payne for an example. One conflict is part of what's going on with the congressman who was heavily involved in lobbying the Department of Commerce to engage in this investigation of people who are violating tariffs. He always knew that if the Department of Congress started this investigation into the tariff violations, it could positively impact, that is, help a business that was in his uh, district. Well, there's a report that just came out that the day after his office learned that the investigation was going to happen, his wife purchased a stock in that company, and the return on investment was 400%. So if you have a blind trust so that there's no way that someone could take information that's learned within your official capacity, to start a trade, you will have the public not at least think that a member is simply using his or her official position to uh, make stock trades. Conflicts like this one could exist on nearly every committee in Congress, and they often do. Congress appropriates trillions in federal funding and regulates many aspects of the world's largest economy. Asking that members of Congress not actively trade stocks is not a big sacrifice, considering the high stakes in the longest-running, self-governed country in the history of the world. Serving in Congress is supposed to be public service, after all. Roy and Spamberger's partnership gives hope that some Republicans and Democrats understand that restoring confidence in Congress is going to require us to work together. I don't view things through the lens of party. Party is a necessary evil. we got a two-party system, you know, in order to sort of coalesce and, and, and have the ability to represent, I, I hate to use the term govern because we don't govern, we're representatives, but in order to function, parties allow you to, to organize, right, to build coalitions. But if you think through the lens of my value system and wanting to ensure a limited constitutional government that frees the American people up to prosper according to their hard work, their faith and value system. Roy's unusual and refreshing approach has led him to partner with Democratic colleagues like Spanberger, Dean Phillips, 
and Akeem Jeffries in his first two terms in Congress. He wrapped up our conversation with these words of wisdom for our fellow conservatives. And the last point I'll make is Republicans need to stop running away from that which they ran on and then, you know, maybe they'd be less concerned about party and being in power and rather just stand up for what they believe in and then let the American people decide. That's how this place is supposed to work. Truth is, that advice applies to both parties. Ending stock trading by members of Congress is one area where Republicans and Democrats agree for the exact same reason. We should claim that common ground and look for more. On the next episode of Swamp Stories, we're going to have a conversation with Michigan Republican Congressman Peter Meyer. We'll discuss lessons learned from his first year in office and get his thoughts on the state of democracy heading into 2022. Thanks for listening to Swamp Stories, presented by Issue One, the country's leading political reform organization that unites Republicans, Democrats, and independents to fix our broken political system. Please subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends. Even better, rate and review it on iTunes to help us reach more listeners. You can find out more at swampstories.org. I'm your host, Weston Wong. A special thank you to executive producer Ethan Rome, senior producer Evan Ottenfield, producer Sidney Richards, and editor Parker Tant from parkerpodcasting.com. Swamp Stories was recorded in Tennessee, edited in Texas, and can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to this episode from the Democracy Group. If you want more podcasts like this, then visit democracygroup.org. There you will find our events, topics, and a newsletter as well. So head on over to democracygroup.org.